All right, let's just uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, Sunday School. Uh, be with us as we uh, dig in deep, as we talk about uh, your goodness and your holiness. Uh, be with the discussion and uh, just help us to uh, see who you are biblically and um, uh, help us to love you more for that. Uh, in your son's name, amen. Okay, so I think uh, the notes have goodness first, but I'm just going to start holiness first. Um, so that might help the goodness part. Help us grasp more the goodness part. Um, so it's kind of it's kind of a, it's, it's a bit messy, but uh, we'll work through it. And uh, if you have questions, then we'll attempt to tackle them. <clears throat> All right. Uh, so what did you talk about last week? Omnipotence and omniscience. Yep. So today is holiness. Um, and so we're going to ask what is holiness and then how does God's holiness connect and how does it relate to us, right? And that might be obvious, but we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, so uh, what I have down here is I, 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 uh, I was just reading through this book and it's pretty good on um, uh, this attribute. And R.C. Spool defines the holiness of God as God being... Uh, this is kind of paraphrasing, but using his terms, transcendentally separate and infinitely greater than all created things, right? Um, okay, so so it's kind of like a, a creator-creature aspect, right? So here, here's God, right? I like circles, so we'll draw circles here. And then here's creation, right? It's, it's all created things. So his holiness, is uh, when we think about holiness, we sometimes we think about like moral purity, right? But it also that's that's part of it. But there's also the aspect that God is completely separate from His creation, right? That He is uh, just set apart. He's above and He's infinitely greater. Um, and so we have God, and here's here's us, right? Everything, uh, and He's He's holy, right? Okay. Um, any questions on that? Is that is that pretty clear? Clear cut so far? Mm-hmm. All right. And then, uh, okay, so, so we've been talking about the attributes of God, and so I forgot all the, the, the ones we talked about, but, um, and we know that the attributes of God, there's none, there's none greater than, uh, they're all perfect, right? They're all, like, in, um, in, in perfect harmony, but when we talk about the holiness of God, it's, it's a bit special because um, God's holiness kind of encompasses all his other tra- attributes, right? So he's, his holy wrath, his holy... Uh, um, justice, uh, his holy love, his holy mercy, right? So holiness is kind of special, right? Because it's, it's just, uh, it's holy, right? Does that make sense? All right, cool. And then um, uh, holiness is also special. We see that, we see from Isaiah, right? And we, um, I don't know if, if you guys heard of, uh, you know, Sproul's uh, famous sermon, like uh, Holiness of God, right? That he says, Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God is mercy, 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 justice, justice, love, 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 right? But he's holy, 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 right? And to say that uh, God is holy, holy, holy means he's holy, right? It's just just, uh, emphasizing how holy he is, right? Uh, So the holiness of God is super important uh, to understand. All right. And we know that um, um, all things... That are holy flow from God. So God alone is holy, but He is able to consecrate and make things holy, right? So we see in the Bible that there are earthly things that are holy, right? Like holy water, uh, holy people, you know, the holy of holies. And it's holy not in itself, but because God makes it holy, right? Everything holy flows from God. So God is the source of holiness. Oh, here's a chair. More chairs there. <clears throat> Yeah, and so to understand um, uh, the holiest holiness of God is to understand uh, it says creator and uh, creatures, right? So this is us. So we understand, I don't know if creatureliness is a word, but we understand our creatureliness, right? Alright, and so we're going to go through a couple accounts of um, a meeting, uh, meetings of of uh, 
people with God and and uh Yes. Okay. So, and then we'll talk more, uh, some more, and about that. So let's go through. What do I have here uh, for you guys first? Uh, Isaiah. Right. Okay. Uh, Neiman, can we read uh, Isaiah? Oh, he oh, can't. He can't oh. speak. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. In the year that King uh, Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. High and lifted up. Is it? Wait, but sorry. Is this yes. the second page? Yeah. Sorry, we're doing holiness first, okay. and then we're gonna touch on goodness. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, <coughs> "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory." And the foundations of the threshold shook the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the sephirim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Yeah, so this is um, when Isaiah uh, sees, sees God, right? He's, what does he say? He says, woe is me. Um, and Isaiah's a, a, a fairly righteous guy, right? Um, but when he see, comes in contact with God, he sees him. He says, woe is me for I am lost. Or another translation says, I am undone, right? So he feels a sense of um, unworthiness. Uh, he feels like he's coming apart. Like, oh, God is so holy and I'm, I am nothing, right? So we, again, we see this creator-creature aspect, right? Um, and we see that again in. Uh, oh, any questions on that so far? Is that is that pretty clear? Mm-hmm. Why does why does um, coming in contact with God's holiness make you feel like you're undone, or like that you're coming apart? Yeah, because we know, um, and this has to do with the moral that God. We know that God is absolutely um, pure in His morality, and so. When we come in contact with him, we know our sinfulness, right? We know our dirtiness. We know that we are uh, in the presence of perfection, and we are not, so not perfect. So, so we feel like uh, there's a sense of humility and, and just brokenness and just, oh, you just fall apart, right? There's a sense of coming undone. It says, I am lost. Woe is me. But um, is, his, yes. uh, is holiness different from perfection? Because... From the way the definition describes holiness is, um, well, question, is God holy because he created creation, or is it something else that makes him holy? No, God is just, God is he's just a, holy. Because he's above himself. creation because right. he created stuff. Right, so, right, right, so he's holy already, but it, we see that in, uh, in his creation, um, how do we explain? Um, so you're asking, like, where where does his holiness come from, or it, is he holy because he created things? Is that okay? So he's already holy in himself, but we see more of his holiness as uh, as he creates things, and as we are his creatures, we understand more of his holiness. In a sense, I don't know. That's kind of it's kind of. Uh, anybody want to talk about that? <laughs> John asked. Well, I was imagining, um, like, that sense of Isaiah's feeling of being undone. Yeah. Um, maybe it's like when, uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but uh, I just all the time, because I'm such a super casual person, but uh, sometimes you go to, like, an event, and everyone's dressed really nice mm. in, like, suits and uh, white shirt buttoned down, and then you go in, like, jeans and, like, a T-shirt, and you feel so embarrassed, or maybe you feel so inadequate and you feel like just red hot shame, shame yeah. right? Because you, you're lacking, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody um, is dressed to the nines, but you look like a homeless bum. And uh, maybe that's the experience that Isaiah felt when he came yeah. before God, right? That <coughs> God's holiness made him feel this deep inadequacy. Yeah. God is already holy, but what as we. 
come in contact with him. Maybe. What kind of ways does God show his holiness for us to know that he is holy? That's a good question. Um, uh, we talked a little bit about that as he, as we see um, uh, just the story of the Bible. Uh, that's kind of the whole, the whole uh, uh, Bible is, is that, it's, it's kind of as you understand the, the whole story of the Bible, we understand, he was in um, perfect fellowship with man, right? Um, in the garden before uh, sin came. And then we see that because of fall, then it, everything falls apart. And we see again, when we did the Sunday school series with the uh, Temple Tabernacle, that God wants to dwell with his people, but he needs to shield himself through layers. Um, and people cannot come in contact with him um, still, even as he's there. Um, so we see that he is uh, he is holy because we he wants to be with his people, but he says, not too close. Because he knows when people come in contact with him, people are just going to be... Uh, Wait, so John, are you asking, like, is God... is God's holiness just another synonym for his moral purity. Yeah, cuz yeah. uh, cuz we're talking about holiness and goodness. Yeah. I so, think for sure cuz holiness the dictionary definition of holiness is that God is separate, he's distinct. So just separate, his separateness right. from Now, uh, we feel that separateness most acutely because we are immoral and he is perfectly Sin. moral. However, that's not the whole of it. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at Isaiah, right? The the the, the angels, the seraphim they're not immoral. They're not fallen. They haven't sinned. They're morally perfect. And yet they themselves, who are morally perfect, yeah. can't be in the presence of God. They're just covering themselves saying, holy, holy, holy. And so it just has to do with God's absolute godness, right? His absolute, infinite, eternal uh, omnipotence. You know, all these attributes about him that is just so above and beyond infinitely greater than who we are. When we're in the presence of that kind of of, of God, we feel this chasm, mm -hmm. and that chasm is our experience of holiness. So that holiness that we would feel God just that Him just being or God just being infinitely just greater mm -hmm. and above yeah. us. I think another way to put just, it is God's holiness is God's godness. <laughs> so there's like nothing that can be holy unless it's God, like holy forever. Oh yeah, absolutely yeah, and so. Uh, you can say that holiness, no one is holy other than God, <coughs> by definition. So we are continually on the path to becoming more holy? Well, we can, um, we can sort of um, <coughs> assimilate, or I don't know quite how to put it, but we can um, experience or associate with God's holiness. For example, when we are um, obedient, when we are um, morally righteous, right? then we separate ourselves from the rest of fallen humanity and we move closer towards God and so yeah. we experience that kind of holiness. Yeah. And then there's another another way the Bible puts it, for example, like priests would clean themselves or take baths and that would be a, sign, uh, a ritual sign of holiness because this whole world is filled with dirt. You know, everything is dirty and so when you clean yourself, you sort of separate. But everything is like, our holiness is always analogical or our holiness is always like metaphorical but God's holiness is actual and true. We should. <laughs> let's let's move. Everyone, move Everyone to the left or to the right. <laughs> is that is that helpful, Jim? Yes. So everyone move seats. Sorry, move. Everyone move one seat to the right. So holiness and godliness are one in the same. Is that what we're saying? Oh yeah. Like if if we're striving towards holiness, we can also say we're striving towards godliness. Yeah. So there's synonyms. Exactly. Yeah. Moving chairs and moving down But God, but God's holiness and our holiness will always be um, categorically different. Yes. <laughs> Alright. First of all, everyone who came late, we have to give them the shameful stink eye. Wait, that's you too. I have a kid. Who here bathed and diapered a kid before? Uh huh. Yeah, I have a child. <laughs> you put a diaper on yourself? Okay. I thought so. We're on page two, by the way. Oh, yeah, we're, we're doing holiness before goodness. Alright. Right there, there's a chair right there. Bye. I said, sit on the throne.
All right. <laughs> right for, the sake, for the sake of time, I'm gonna, uh, we're just going to look at the, the next two boxes at, at the fold. Um, and it's very similar to what we just went through with, uh, with Moses having to, or Isaiah, sorry, uh, saying that he's, he's come undone, right? Uh, so we see in Moses, Exodus 3, that um, this is when, when Moses sees a burning bush and Moses wants to uh, uh, look at the burning bush, why it's not burning, right? And then uh, um, God says, Do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place which you are standing on is holy ground. Um, and Moses hid his face, uh, for he was afraid to look at God. Again, we see, uh, we see the unworthiness um, from a creature, creator, right? In this, and, then, and then again, Moses, uh, when he's um, at Mount Sinai, then he, wants to, he asks to see God, right? To see his glory. Uh, he says, God says, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. Um, but he allows him to see his back, but my face you shall not be seen. And, he, and so God kind of covers him and puts him in the rock, right, to protect him from his, his holiness. So this, uh, reading these accounts, you see how, uh, how holy, how godly God is and how creaturely we are. Um, Yeah, so oh, any questions so far on that before we move to the next point? Or is it pretty... I guess like when you experience God's, the holiness of God, um, what you're experiencing is the fact that um, God is God and you're not Him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, like every other person, like when I'm near uh, Dave's presence, I don't feel undone. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, feel, I feel kinship. I feel like, hey, you're you feel, like me. You feel superior. Yeah, no. <laughs> I feel like, hey, you know, we, I feel this, this, this connection, this uh, sameness. But then when I'm before the presence of God, yeah. as he truly is, then I don't feel anything like that. I feel like your God is completely right. separate and different. He's God. I'm not God. Yeah. And uh, this might help. Let me read something from um, Artie Spohr. He says, he was talking about this guy, Rudolfo. Uh, Otto, oh, Rudolf Otto, and he's a German scholar, did, did, did a study on um, what holiness meant to people like in different cultures and um, just in different contexts, right? Uh, not just uh, Christianity, but he says this, Otto says this, The feeling of it may, about holiness, may at times come sweeping like a gentle tide, pervading the mind with a tranquil mood of deepest worship. It may pass over into a more set and lasting attitude of the soul, continuing, as it were, thrillingly uh, vibrant and resonant until at last it dies away and the soul resumes its profane, non-religious mood of everyday experience. It may burst in sudden eruption up from the depths of the soul uh, with spasms and convulsions or lead to the strangest excitements, to intoxicated frenzy, to transport and to ecstasy. It has its wild and demonic forms and can sink to an almost grisly horror and shuddering. It has its crude barbaric antecedents and uh, early manifestations and again it may be developed into something beautiful and pure and glorious it may become the hushed trembling and speechless humility of the creature in the presence of whom or what in the presence of that which is mystery inexpressible and above all creatures so there's a sense of um, awe right there's a sense of uh, uh, again creatureliness right um, yeah, Burghoff had a, a bunch of uh, uh, descriptions of of uh, of what it feels like to be um, in the presence of a of a holy God, and I wrote it down, but I don't know where it is. So you're supposed to have spasms? <laughs> no, I'm gonna pass that question. <laughs> okay. Um, Okay, so we'll, any questions, and then uh, any quick questions, and we'll move on, because there's much to talk about still. Uh, just a comment. Yes, uh, John. So we'll go off what Pastor Michael said, how um, when he's with like, David, he doesn't feel that that, uh, that holiness, because, you know, they're, they're kids. But I think for me, when, I was just thinking about this on the way to, uh, to church, church this morning, and how, you know, all you guys are extremely nice, fantastic people, but... <laughs> I feel a little bit uncomfortable sometimes yeah. because all of you, all of you guys, are so much 
because me being not Christian, all you guys are so much closer to God than I am, and it kind of makes me feel a little bit small and a little bit just like a little bit uncomfortable. So I think that's for me. That's how I imagine um, being in the presence of God's holiness would be, but mag- but multiplied by infinitely more. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about it that way, but. Yeah. But I think oftentimes it's like people who don't really, uh, who are like quote unquote non Christians, are the ones who actually see God for like his actual magnitude. Because I think for people who've gone to church since they're really young, they're almost like conditioned to be like, God is holy, yes, he's good. You know, it's like we're so used to that, so we forget. And sometimes it's harder to see because we're like, we know this already. And there's like that pride. Or God um, becomes almost like your buddy or your best yeah. friend. Whereas like, you know, if you're, if you your hear the gospel, like for the first time or something, it's like so strange and so new. And it's so like, um, different that sometimes it makes that actual, um, holiness more a- apparent. Oh, inspiring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You feel the chasm more deeply. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So how it connects to man, right? And we already seen that, right? Um, and so we see that the story of the Bible was always. Um, oh, let's let's go. Back. Let's let's ask uh, how does the concept of God's holiness connect and relate to mankind, right? And so to answer this uh, question, we first need to ask, what is the story of the Bible? Right? What is the goal of all things and all mankind? Right? And we know that um, uh, if we look at the Westminster Confession of Faith, we know that the chief end of man is what? Is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Right? So that is the goal of man. That's the goal of man. All, everything, uh, everything that we are, all of history is for that reason, right? that we may be with God and, and enjoy Him. Um, and so God is able to uh, so how are we going to do that if we're falling, right? And so that's where the gospel comes in, and that's where uh, Jesus comes in, right? And how how we talk about the temple tabernacle and how uh, Jesus came um, uh, to tabernacle among us, right? And so it kind of connects uh, the holiness of God to. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, I mean, because yeah. so God bridged the chasm. Yes. Uh, by crossing the divide and becoming a man. Yes, yeah. So, so we all want to be here, right? So this is, uh, this is where we're supposed to be. All uh, a perfect world would have had us all with God um, in in His presence, right? Unmediated presence, where we're we are holy as well. Um, not in the sense that we're holy like God, but just that we are um, um, not sinful. But yeah, not the brave. Yeah, and we're made in His image. So, so how do we get here? Um, is that Jesus came down, right? And so we know this, right, through the gospel, and we all know the gospel. Um, and so this connects. This connect. We uh, we just go on for, uh, about this forever, but I'm just because we have to go. Uh, there's so much more to talk about, but uh, this connects God's holiness to where we are, and we want to be in His presence. Um, forever right enjoying him and glorifying him and so god comes down and and uh, uh so that we can so that we can take on jesus's righteousness right so we are hidden christ so jesus saves us from himself because he is so holy and he needs to judge and um and pour out his wrath on sin uh he protects us from that for those who believe through jesus right so that's the way right that's the gospel right? And so we all know this pretty clearly. Um, I think it's kind of amazing because, like, if you read all these passages that you have, everyone's experience is always they want to hide their face, yeah. they want to run away, um, they want to cover themselves, yeah. and then you have Jesus, and Jesus is like hugging people, yeah. he's holding babies in his arms, um, he's comforting uh, the weak, and it's like an amazing picture because the only way that we can be in God's presence is he has to clothe himself in humanity. Yeah. That's so profound. Yeah, and that's what makes the Bible so interesting to read. You see the stories, and you see 
um, just how we're how we can't get there, how man, how Israel wasn't able to to get there, how we're we're so fallen that Jesus had to come and dwell with us, right, so that He can rescue us. Um, otherwise, we just all be gone. We all be condemned uh, because of our sinfulness. Does that make sense, everyone? Any questions on that, really quick, and then we'll move on. Okay, so I wanted to talk about the holiness first because for this reason, uh, because understanding that God is God, He is holy, and we are we are nothing compared to God, right? He's infinitely greater than us. This will help us in understanding uh, His goodness and His other attributes, right? All right, so let's go to the goodness of God. Alright, so first we'll talk about the goodness of God. And, and so when we think about the goodness of God, we, we automatically think of just kind of uh, the moral aspect of it. But um, the goodness of God in general terms just talks about, uh, just talks about God um, being perfect in all around, in, in, all, in his character, right? He's just all around, per- his all around perfection. Uh, he's not irrational or wavering in his being and action, actions. Uh, and everything he does is in line with his perfect character. Right, so we know that God isn't just here messing around with people or whatever. He's perfectly good. He's perfectly holy. He's perfectly righteous and just. Right, so he's we're not. He's not just um, opposite of people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's not messing around. He's just. He's not like oh, oh, uh, Annie, uh, not Annie, uh, Ash. Ash, you look like you're uh, whatever, and then he'll just mess with you. Right, he doesn't do that. Right. That's against his character to, to do evil, right? So understanding God's goodness uh, ultimately should bring us great comfort, right? Because we know that whatever comes, uh, God is in control, right? And so we're going to talk about that. And there's going to be there's going to be some rub as we, we talk about some of these points. So uh, any questions on what the goodness of God is? Um, uh, one more thing. The goodness of God it encompasses his... His love, His mercy, His patience, um, but I'm not going to talk about that today because we're doing a a, a, seri- a, not a series, a, a lesson on love. So we're going to talk more about that um, in the next in the next class. So we're just going to talk about His goodness in general. Um, all right. So we we know that God is uh, both the highest good, or so He's the standard of good, as well as the source of all goodness, right? Um, Annie, can you read uh, Luke 18, 19 for us? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God. Sure, can you read Psalm 36? For with you is the fountain of life, in your light do we see light. Marsh. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, and so we... Uh, Grudem, uh, Grudem says that uh, uh, something that is good is worthy of approval, right? So we know that because God is the standard, like we, we know that God, everything good comes from God, right? So God is the standard for good as well as the source, right? So all good things we know. Uh, can, you, can you break that down? That statement is uh, interesting. I agree. <laughs> okay. But break it down. Like um let, let me let me let me uh put it in the converse, right? Yes. Um Well, first let me affirm the statement. Um God is good because he's God. Right. Uh versus God is good because he's good. Does that make sense? Huh? Defro what? Defroze the Defroze? Yeah, it's the uh, either he's divine and therefore his goodness is by command, mm-hmm. or he's actually good and therefore subject. Yes, that's what I'm that's saying. Yeah. the prose? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Say that one more time. Or one yes. Is okay. Is God good because of his godness, mm-hmm. or is God good? Or in other words, does his goodness emanate from his being? Um, or is God good because he 
um, matches the standard of good, of what is good. Mm. But does anyone? I think I articulated so I think, I think the so question poorly. Is, yeah. I think the question is: Is good external to God, or is it intrinsic to His being? Oh so wow! Is is good so something? Articul- everyone's so articulate. <laughs> <around me. laughs> so is good something? In which God merely participates to the maximal infinite right. amount. He's, is he the highest or, example of good? exactly, yeah. or is God the definition of good? Right. What, what defines what? Does good define God, or does God define? Wow, so articulate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I think the answer is pretty clear, right? That. But like, why? Is is I mean because he's I am. God. Is that just a power play then? Is it is it like is it like God is actually doing evil, but because he could squash you, he's like it's actually good. Mm. You're like okay, (laughs) it's good. That's true. (laughs) Is it like a school bully that's pounding and saying, "Say I'm good, I'm good, you're good," and then God's like, okay. I mean, is is it is it a power play, or is it? Because if if good is a standard to which God submits, Mm. then it's a then God can say, I'm good because, you know, I'm, it's not a power play. It's yeah. <laughs> that would mean that God would be judged. Yes. <laughs> judged by the standard of good. But then if goodness emanates from God, isn't that a power play? I think he's worthy enough to make that power play. <laughs> and and, and in, our, in our experience, we can honestly say that he is good because of the cross, because of how he's revealed himself in his word, and uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Is it a power play? Well, I think like our understanding of good, like our innate, like whatever understanding of good, right? It also comes to the fact that like we're made in the image of God, right? So like in that sense, like like we have like some like kind of understanding of what good is supposed to be, and so I think that like when we try to like go by that standard, then like God has to be the source of that, or like the so standard. So we have no independent way of discerning good because we're derivative creatures of God, right? We're made in His image. So whatever we intuit as innate within us as understanding good, it's all from God anyway, right? Any other thoughts? Whether it's a power play? No, but I think God's goodness like is in line with all His other characteristics. Like, for instance, He's unchanging. So if God's <clears throat> submitting to some kind of standard, does that is that implying that God's not God can change? Because I think God's goodness is consistent. It's not something like today I'll do this and tomorrow I'll do something different. Right. Um, it makes him a little bit more malleable if he's merely submitting, or if he's merely um, submitting to his goodness, right? This is like a really deep, I don't know, maybe I'm just doing me. No, I feel like this is a no. super deep philosophical concept. My mind's not very... What's that? Can you explain that Luke? Wait, before we get to the Luke, I feel like we should at least have an answer. Even oh. if it's an incomplete, um, um, inadequate answer. Well, I guess my question is, I would wonder why it matters. I mean, if, like, I guess the premise is that there is a standard of good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of whether it's um, it's something that God submits to or um, it's it manifests through his actions and whatever he does is a standard of good I'm, I guess I'm curious to know like yeah, our, whether our debating about it is the reason like, why maybe I'm bringing it up because uh-huh. I feel like this class is like such a perfect dovetail to the sermon because <laughs> we're actually going to talk about it because in Genesis 3 with the fall if you look at the story, uh, not to rob too much from the sermon, but if you look at the story, um, essentially what humanity does is it, it decides to determine what is good on its own as an independent agent, which is premised on the whole idea that there is a good standard that is above God that you can then judge. Um, and that is the essence of rebellion. You can never get out under God um, because goodness just emanates from his character. I mean, he is good. There is no other definition of good other than his very character. How do we even know what is good? It is, beca- And it's not a power play 
because, and this might sound like a, a circular argument, it's not a power play because he's good. Because he's bad. Yeah. It has to be intrinsic because if it's extrinsic, because the way I see good versus bad is it's it's subjective, and if if uh, if God gets his goodness from extrinsic, that means there's something beyond him that sets the standards for God. It so diminishes has, God, right? Yeah. yeah. So he has to he has to set that standard of goodness. So it has to be from within. That's why it's important to ask whether it is intrinsic or extrinsic. Annie asked you a question. Oh, Annie. Oh, just like clarification on like um, the Lucifer's. Oh. Is it because he's still bound to because he's not God the Creator? With Jesus. You know, Muslims oh. cite this verse <laughs> as one of the proof texts for yeah. the fact yeah, that Jesus like, is God. Yeah, it, it's like misleading in certain ways. Yeah. Um, just like with this verse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just um, clarification. Yeah, no, we, we know that Jesus is God, right? He was, yeah. he was, he was there uh, to create um, the world, but yeah. Um, I didn't. It's the context <laughs> yeah. of the, the rich young ruler. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The rich young ruler. Yeah. So the rich young ruler doesn't. He doesn't know Jesus is is God. Mm -hmm. So he's saying. Good, good teacher, yeah, yeah. but he's saying good man. Mm -hmm. That's what that's what the the guy is getting at. So yeah. Jesus is saying, if you only know me as a man, how can you call me good? Um, it's actually a form of self justification because the 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 rich young ruler is saying, hey, you're good, I'm also good. Yeah. It's a self congratulatory uh, mm -hmm. attribution, and Jesus. So Jesus, in fact, is undermining what the good ruler, the the, the rich young ruler, is saying. It's like, why are you saying I'm good? There's like the backstory of yeah. that context. So Rishon Miller didn't understand who Jesus was. <coughs> cool, okay. Um, with with uh, a few minutes left, we're going to talk about... Okay, so we understand why God is is not just the standard for it. He is good, right? Like He's intrinsically good and everything that's good flows from Him. Um, and so so the question that has the most rub is, since God is perfectly good, we know that all He does is good and for good, right? And everyone's going to be like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. We know, everyone, this, this, this will, this is like a series in itself, or not a series, like a, a whole lesson in itself, but um, we'll just go through it briefly, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about, um, uh, since, every, since, we'll talk about how everything is good and for good, right? Uh, so let me just read quickly uh, the, the verses. <coughs> we know that the Lord is good, for the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever. Faithfulness to all generations. Um, your psalmist says, "You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes." The Lord is good to all. His mercy is over all that He has made. Um, and we know that. Okay, and this was this is uh, Joseph uh, uh, speaking about how we'll talk about the Joseph story a little bit. But uh, Joseph says that um, um, all that evil that happened to him, like the, his brothers, uh, he says that. Uh, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, right? Uh, and then Romans eight twenty eight, classic, right? Uh, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Okay, so let me. Uh, so, what are your questions immediately when when you guys hear this and how? If God is good, then all things that He does is for good. So, um, yes, God. Oh, oh uh, does that mean uh, we're good as well? Because we uh, we sinned. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, we're not. In like Genesis, <laughs> it talks about the fall of man. But does that mean man's still good after like we sinned over and over again? Uh, is man good? Is would you ask? Yeah, Sorry. because yeah, that, that is my question. Because it says everything God created is good, so uh -huh. we are God's creation. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we we touched on this a little before in, in the other classes about how um, sin entered um, and there was the fall. Right. We don't know where uh, evil came from, but because of sin, we're no longer good in the sense that we we can't do good. But um, uh, where uh, it says we're uh, none are good, right? None are, or none are righteous. We can't do good in the sense that we don't we no longer glorify our uh, our Creator, right? So we. Um, Apart from God, we are are not good. 
Um, I don't know if that's that's not. Are a you asking about how answer. did non goodness enter? Uh, no, I'm just asking like, how is that like play with man like in sin? And when God's like when it says God's creation is good, mm -hmm. like does that mean we're still good even though like we are sinners? It was originally good, maybe that's better. Mm -hmm. It's no longer good. The sin corrupted everything. But does the standard of good incorporate all the evil stuff that we do because it says that God meant it for good? And I remember yeah. one of the Sunday school that we did, um, mm -hmm. it talks about how God is the author of our life but not of our sins. So does that... There's the rub, right? Yeah. How does sin play into our lives? And if everything God does is good, then why is there so much evil and suffering, right? Um, and so... Uh, well, I think, uh, yeah, there's not much time to talk about it, but, talking about it, but <laughs> answer in two seconds. <laughs> okay, so, so basically, um, we we understand that God is completely sovereign. He's complete control of everything. He ordains evil. He wills evil, right? He wills it. He he doesn't have a, he doesn't uh, do evil. He doesn't sin, but he wills it. He uh, uh, meaning meaning. Uh, so here, circles again, right? Okay, so here's here's sin. So God, maybe this I don't know if this is a good picture. So this is God, and this is everything that happens, right, uh, in the circle. Um, he's not so God. Okay, and then uh, <laughs> everything that happens is here, right? And this is sin. This is evil. Um, he ordains it in the sense that he's in control of it. He allows it to happen, but he doesn't play a part. Not play a part. He doesn't do it. He's not the one that does the sin and a lot of questions will be raised right so so we'll talk about uh, our so we see uh, passages that say um, uh, uh, there's so many passages um, but oh man there's so many passages <laughs> um, okay so so let's look at examples maybe that will help right so we see we see Joseph we see that uh, the story of Joseph, that his brothers hated him because he was favored, right? And he we, he was sold into slavery. Um, he was accused of rape and and he was put, uh, falsely imprisoned, right? And so through and this was a span of like a, a few years, I don't know, maybe fifteen or something. And so throughout those years, this evil was happening to him, right? He was suffering. He was going through all this hardship. Um, but we see uh, the cool thing about the Bible is that we see the 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 end of the story, right? Where Joseph says that. Even his brothers, though his brothers hated him, uh, this, um, all that, all of those, uh, all of the things that happened to Joseph led him to become uh, in a position of he was a high-ranking person in Egypt, right, under Pharaoh, and so it led him to. Um, uh, so, so God was sovereign in that, in the sense that He saw everything, He allowed the evil to happen to him, uh, but it, but it was perfect when when Joseph says that. You meant it. You meant evil against me. Talking about his brothers, uh, but God meant it for good, right? So we see that um, God allows sin and evil to work, uh, but ultimately is for good. We and and for us, the rub is that we are so nearsighted that we don't see the big picture. So that's it. His way of showing His mercy is through the end result of mm -hmm. all the. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In a sense, yeah. Yeah. And we see this uh, in Job, right? When you read Job uh, 38, um, 30 to 42, and how God, how God uh, replies to Job, right? Job is a blameless guy. He says he's blameless, he's righteous, and, and he goes through all this suffering. Um, ultimately, Job doesn't know why. Um, but uh, we see that God says, so where were you when I created the world? Or, you know, when, when whatever. Uh, so many, que all these questions, like, where were you, where were you? Ultimately, God is saying that He's in complete control of everything, um, and this. Uh, um, I, was, I lost my thought, but <laughs> but yeah, but uh, God's glory is displayed uh, when we see uh, His goodness and His uh, His goodness over sin end up. The ultimate picture is uh, is the cross, right? Of of Jesus, how everyone was against Jesus. They were um, um, 
you know, it ultimately led to his uh, his um, his execution, right, his crucifixion. Uh, but, but you know, like when we look at that picture, we see evil, we see all this bad happening to Jesus, to the Son of God, right? But what was it for? Is to bring bring um, usher in this this uh, this greatness to this of redemption, right? So we see that. Um, in these little, not little things, but as we see in examples of the Bible, how God uses evil for good. Um, and again, we're, we're still going to ask so many questions, like, oh, what about uh, 9-11 or whatever, or or mass genocide, or, you know, like, how do we, and ultimately, like, we can't see beyond what, um, you know, beyond what we, we know. Um, and so, I don't know if that kind of answers it a little bit. So there's there's so much there's so much deeper we can go into that. But um, any any other comments on Carrie's question or, or I think the I think what what throws me off a little bit is if God works out everything for good, like you say, mm-hmm. and yet there's so much sin. So let's say there's there's people dying and then child trafficking. Like what good comes out of it? Yeah. If that verse says if God works out, what good comes out of it? Does that mean that God's goodness? ties in with his omniscience where he knows everything that's going to happen. Yeah. So does that mean that's, that's why God allows child trafficking to happen because he's omniscient and he knows in the end that it will be for the greater benefit of mankind Whatever. as a whole. Or is it the good that, that one day he will actually judge that? Yeah, he'll, he'll do that as well. Like that, in, in, his, in his wrath and in his judgment, he is still glorified. Right? He's not just doing this because whatever, but he's, but yeah, he would be glorified. He's glorified in all things, even in judgment. Um, it's to display just the fullness of God. And and the rub is that, oh, that sucks, then is that means that God is just, it still sounds like God is messing right? To a lot of people, like, oh, why do you allow suffering so that, <laughs> you know? It's so. not, it's, it's kind of like head into last week, right? Like, he doesn't, um, it's like our nature, like to suffer and to sin so it's not that he is like allowing things to happen because he wants it to happen he's just like letting us be the way we are Mm -hmm. right like it's just like natural the natural way is for it to just get worse and he he's in control of everything because he's gonna one day um, redeem it but right now, it's just on a natural progression to getting worse, right? And so it's not like he's um, letting sin, uh, you know, kind of controlling and making sin happen right. um, because he wants it to happen so that he can be good. It's just that he's just letting us do our thing. And that thing is just our nature to be bad and fallen. Like child trafficking is is just... Uh, it's like the worst scenario for like our brokenness, right? And until he intervenes, he's just letting us be who we are. So you're saying that God doesn't do good, but allow us to do good through trying to become closer to him? Because you're saying that God lets us sin because it's in our nature. And the way he does good is by showing himself and having us try to be like God. And so that's how this word good comes from. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure. Like, I didn't think it through yet. But maybe one good that comes from child trafficking is that uh, the church is able to, or should, find a reason to mobilize, or like, you know, um, and fight against that nature of us being on a negative path, or like a downward path. I have a question. Yes. I Maybe it's because I wasn't here last week, but so are we saying that every sin contributes to some good? Because I don't, I've never heard that before. It's... And, if I could right. use my favorite illustration, it's like the Lord of the Rings. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's very, it's very significant because um, at the end of the book, at the end of the trilogy, right, the hobbits are all gathered together and they're just like experiencing 
um, this wonderful sense of uh, wholeness and peace. And it's all the sweeter after having gone through the trauma of fighting evil, of Sauron almost taking over the world. And it's kind of a strange thing. And I think Tolkien here is trying to grasp at the truth that is always beyond us, but that in some ways our experience of happiness and joy and the goodness of God is enhanced Mm, when we go through an ordeal of darkness and uh, tragedy. Um, It's, it's, you know, it, it, it can help us to start to appreciate the purpose of it. And I think the answer is correct. Everything that God ordains is for good and he ordains all sin and all evil and all tragedy for an ultimate good, yeah. uh, for the joy of his people and for his glory. So, yeah. Yeah, the, the tough thing with, with us is that we're not God, right? It's, it's, again, it's the, it's the <coughs> image of, like, uh, we're ants trying to understand the world, a human, right? How the biology of human, like, we, we don't know, ultimately we don't know his purposes, um, but we know that it's for good. <laughs> we know that ultimately God is in control and that should be comforting um, knowing that it's more comforting I feel like if God is sovereign over all things rather than if God is just reacting to sin so if sin is out, out of him and it's just happening and God is just trying to work uh, to fight sin I think that's even more scary right to know that God is in complete control of everything even our sin even the evil that happens is, is actually really comforting um, it's hard to grasp it's not an easy thing to grasp but it's um, more comforting as you work through kind of that process. Um, okay. All right. So hopefully that sparks interest in your seeking, <laughs> seeking more of the holiness of God and the goodness. And uh, yeah, there's just so much to talk about in, in terms of this and um, <laughs> suffering and, and uh, how God is uh, in control. But yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully that just helps you to eventually love God more if it doesn't right now. <laughs> but um, let's pray. Father, we thank you for um, uh, just your holy attributes and uh, who you are. We pray that um, even as we struggle through uh, some of the, um, uh, the the hard aspects of understanding um, who you are, that uh, ultimately we would be comforted by you, uh, by who you are, and uh, uh, that we know that uh, you're sovereign and, and you work all things for good. Um, so may we continue to seek you relentlessly and seek truth uh, that it, it may deepen our faith and um, help us to love you more. We pray in your son's name. Amen.